life, I mean truly happy. If I asked you to define what a truly happy life looks like, could you do it? I'm starting the conversation about what it means to be truly happy from within and why things that you think create your happiness from outside of yourself are actually not what creates a truly happy life. So grab your cup of tea, sit back and chat with me. I've missed you. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Happiness Workshop podcast, where we know that happiness is a workshop. This week, I started reading more in-depth the book, Stop Self-Sabotage, Six Steps to Unlock Your True Motivation, Harness Your Willpower, and Get Out of Your Own Way by Judy Ho. Judy is a PhD and an ABPP, and the part of her book that I wanted to pull out for you today is called Life Happens. And I just want to read you a little paragraph. It says, why do we sometimes overestimate threat and allow it to stop us from continuing on our path toward a goal? The answer is life happens. In my research and through my experience in working with clients, I found time and again that there are four elements that fuel the conflict between going for what you want and being held back by perceived threats that actually won't harm you. And those are an acronym for life, low or shaky self-concept, internalized beliefs, fear of change or the unknown, and excessive need for control. These four influences represent aspects of your personality and how you relate to the world. And I'm going to stop reading there and just come back to this idea that if you are trying to set a goal and work toward that goal, it's important to know who you are as a person and where you're starting because life does happen, right? The L I F and E low or shaky self-concept that might not be you, but maybe someone else is starting on their path toward their goal with low or shaky self-concept. And so if you have high self-esteem, positive body image, you know that nothing can stop you, chances are you're going to reach your goal faster than someone with the same goal who has low or shaky self-concept, right? We all come to our goals and to our paths with internalized beliefs. So it's important to be aware of those internalized beliefs. And if those are limiting beliefs, then it's important to recognize those and do the work to correct them. Maybe you have fear of change or fear of the unknown. And so is that going to slow you down or sabotage your efforts to reach your your goal? could get in your way, and excessive need for control. I like to say that control equals fear. When we are holding on to fear, that is when we have this need for control, to hold on to control, to make sure we're safe. And so I just love that Dr. Judy Ho pointed out the acronym LIFE for the things that could be self-sabotaging for you when you're on your path toward reaching a goal. Think about that. Save this episode, listen back to it, and 
I'm going to reach out to Judy Ho, PhD, ABPP, and see if we can have her as a guest in the happiness workshop because I'm so impressed with her book, how simple it is to follow, and she gives real life actionable activities to help you move toward your goal and stop self-sabotage. This episode is not sponsored by Judy Ho, PhD, ABPP. I just really like her book. I also really like our next guest. This week, I sat down with my friend and colleague, Sharda Davy for an enlightening, heartfelt conversation, and I think you're going to enjoy it. Sharda Davy is a chronic pain specialist, thought leader, and CMB, Chief Magical Being, of Tools That Transform, where she mentors women to take their lives back from chronic pain by custom designing pathways out of pain based on their own unique needs. Her personal journey with chronic pain began with childhood anxiety and depression, both of which were chronic pain issues. And in her early 20s, a debilitating dance injury melded with her emotional struggles to become a colossal case of chronic physical and emotional pain. When at 24 years of age, she was told in no uncertain terms by a doctor that she was destined to have osteoarthritis in her hips, she realized that the standard model of care was not going to solve her pain problems. Sharda put her solid scientific skills to work researching how the brain creates all forms of pain and how best to care for her sensitive nervous system and injured body because she intuitively knew that the human body knows how to heal. Along the way, she has created a toolbox overflowing with tools to stop chronic pain naturally. She has also earned four degrees in the arts and sciences, spent over three decades in deep practice and study of yoga philosophy, and holds a master's degree in yoga philosophy and cognitive science. She is also an award-winning writer. Sharda is a Reiki teacher trained in NLP, hypnosis techniques, a long list of spiritual practices, and is currently completing her fourth level of yoga certification. Her crowning achievement is that she lives free from the chronic pain that held her captive in her young life and has no osteoarthritis anywhere in her body. Without further ado, welcome to the Happiness Workshop podcast, Sharda Davy. Thank you, beautiful Pascal. You are something that has given me happiness all morning long, just thinking about the fact that I was going to get to spend time with you. I received that and I'm sending that energy right back to you because you know that every time you and I have a conversation, I leave just a little bit happier, sometimes a lot happier. I'm thrilled because, you know, as someone who's dealt with chronic pain, both emotional and physical pain, here is an advanced tip. It's all about feeling good. If you want to ease your pain, do everything you can to feel happy. I love that so very much because in my business, we talk about abundant happiness. And one of the most important things about manifesting abundance in any area of your life, including well, feeling well is all about the feeling, right? It's focus on the feeling, raise your vibration, be in the feeling of the thing you're trying to manifest. And so if you're beautiful. struggling with that, then there are some other things that 
need to happen before you can turn that natural feel good engine on. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is a process. Yes. And so I know that your business is called Tools That Transform. I want to not start there. I want to actually go back because I know in the beginning of this journey that you've been on, you struggled with depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. And so I'd love if you could take us back to that time. How did that time and place get you to where you are now in this time and place? Well, it was a rather long walk that started when I was fairly young. Uh, My family is riddled with depression and anxiety, and my parents were both children of the Great Depression who lost their fathers as young teenagers. So they struggled emotionally, and they did their best not to pass that on to me. But the truth is those habits are kind of all around you and you absorb them. And so I was an anxious little kid. I remember being afraid I wouldn't pass to the third grade for no apparent reason. And by the time I got to middle school, depression had joined the mix. I jokingly call those the evil twin because they very often hang together. Yeah. Uh, By the time I was in high school, uh, both of them had a really good hold on me. And I was a promising young musician who had a scholarship to music school, but headed off to music school with a head filled with self-doubt and self-loathing and a lot of other unsavory things that no young person should have on their plate. But I got to tell you, more and more do every day. And I had a classic fear of failure and success because of the way that all works in your body and your brain. And I quit music school the, um, just weeks after my recital, but before graduation, that's classic. And then that summer is when that got really, really loud. And at 21 years old, I didn't go to my best friend's wedding because I didn't feel like I could take the dark cloud that was me into her happy day. And I remember that night well. I soaked in a bathtub, soaking up all the reasons that I was a failure. That was at 21. Mm. Yeah, I know. It's really, you know, it's so sad to look at someone so young because I look back on her now with great compassion Right. And say, wow, you were really drowning at 21. Yeah. And that wasn't the end of the story. Mm. Because later that summer, while warming up for a dance class, I was one leg on a ballet bar, one on the ground, pushing beyond the limit of my stretch clearly when I slipped and a bad sound came out of my hip. I don't even know that I could describe it. Mm. And pain shot from my left hip to my left foot. And the way that chronic pain works in the brain, my deep emotional struggles melded with that physical injury. And that became some pretty serious decades of chronic emotional pain and chronic physical pain. The hip injury was debilitating. It could literally 
spasm and knock me down in mid-step. So it was no joke. So Here's my question about that for you. And I know I'm kind of cutting into your story here for a moment, but I do want to hit the pause button on that because you brought in the way it works in the brain. And so your physical pain intersects and combines with your emotional pain. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, in thinking about how quickly your hip can pop out and how quickly it can hurt again, did that happen more often? If you can even remember when it was something physical, like you overexerted, or was it when, was it a manifestation of something emotional you were going through? So the great thing about chronic pain is it, the emotional piece drives it the way that the brain is always looking to consolidate things. It wants to be efficient and it also has only one job. It wants to keep us alive. And so it has a tendency to default to fear and other emotions that we call uncomfortable, unpleasant, guilt, shame, um, you know, fear, sadness, prolonged grief, any of that kind of emotion can become a, a tent pole and other experiences that happen get tied to that tent pole. So that was at the point that my emotional pain was so great, I couldn't go to my best friend's wedding, seriously, bald all night in the bathtub. Mm. That emotional intensity when that physical injury happened, my brain said, we've already got pain and here's more pain. Let's put them together. That'll be efficient for us to keep running the pain alarm. And pain is an alarm in our brain trying to tell us that something needs attention. With acute pain, we have a cut finger that needs attention. With chronic pain, it's these unresolved emotions that need attention. And so that makes it tricky. Yeah, yeah, that makes total sense. And I would imagine that as your years went on and more emotional pain happened, mm -hmm. your hip then must have gotten so much worse. Yes. You know, our body is designed to heal. And in truth, whatever was injured that day would have resolved except the emotional pain that it was now coupled with as long as that wasn't resolved the same patterns that ran the hip couldn't really resolve and yeah. yes it went on for decades i'm sorry to hear that how's the hip these days <laughs> well if i could stand up i would do something very fancy like stretch my leg over my head my hip i am happy to report did not live up to its expectations of osteoarthritis i have less pain in my sixth decade than i had in my third decade and i'm about um ready to do a full split in either direction on my yoga mat you're such a hot ticket honest <laughs> to goodness you're such i'm just such a show off you're such a show off and I love it in all the best ways oh, right? because why not celebrate yourself there has been a lot of blood sweat tears heartache 
triumph, all of it goes mm -hmm. into that success. So let's celebrate you. That's amazing. Yeah. And you know, um, all of that, the thing about chronic pain is it, it snowballs. If you are not getting to resolve whatever the emotional underpinning is, that physical pain just kind of keeps getting, it adds to it. You know, the other, to your point, the other things that come across in life that are challenging, the breakups, um, the jobs that you took that you thought were going to be wonderful and that were awful. Um, you know, all of the bumps and bruises in life start to get added into that, which makes the physical thing more reactive. So we think it's being the hip is hurting and telling me to hurt, but it's really the brain telling the hip to hurt at that point. Chronic pain, again, plays differently than acute pain. It makes so much sense. And so in this part of your story, I want to bring up what an impressively educated woman you are. You have an astonishing number of degrees. So let's talk about that. What was your start into your first degree and what led to the others? Because again, impressively educated. <laughs> well, after I decided not to complete music school, I, I needed a job. <laughs> and science was always easy for me. And I became a medical technologist. And I'm oh so glad that I did because that underpinning in the biology of the body, in human physiology and anatomy, in my understanding of how the brain and how body chemistry, blood chemistry works, that was absolutely critical for me to be able to then go into the research about how the brain works because not long after this happened to me, the modern neuroscience movement was born. And I was all in to try to figure out why this pain kept coming and I couldn't resolve it. And I knew that that emotional pain of depression and anxiety, I knew that that was something about how my brain was doing things. So I'm just a voracious learner. I had this really great science degree that gave me all these skills for research and I just took off. I love it. Amazing how the universe, I always feel like it's such a surprise, but also not a surprise at all. It's amazing how the universe puts you exactly where you need to be in that moment to help you propel yourself forward. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 There's no, there are no accidents. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as I, as I began to understand more about how our brain worked, I really began to appreciate and, and really I got introduced to this idea on the yoga mat. Thank heavens in my late twenties, I found the yoga mat, as I say, and it became my life raft. I learned to breathe there. That is job number one for living in a human body. It's the first thing we yeah. do when we come in and the last thing we do when we go out. And then I began to understand more about the subtle psychology of our body and our brain. And I'm a deeply spiritual person. And actually there was some spiritual trauma in that story too, that I don't often talk about, but I, 
in the pursuit of understanding how to be a whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Then I went back and I got more degrees in the humanities and I ended up getting a master's degree in yoga philosophy because the yoga mat is how I found my way out of this whole mess. Yeah, that's beautiful. Were you always a spiritual person or did that find you when the yoga mat found you? Well, yes, I was. I grew up in um, a traditional Episcopalian family. And in the late 60s, the modern charismatic movement was born and my family was very involved in that. And that didn't actually quite work for me. And I, I kind of fell off the bus when he <laughs> made that transition. Yeah, yeah. And so I just... Um, actually when I showed up on the yoga mat, I was kind of not interested in spirituality at all. Interesting. Had I really known that there was a deep spiritual underpinning to that, I might not have gotten on the mat, but I knew intuitively that what they were doing, my body needed. Like I had a feeling that the answer to my hip was somewhere on that yoga mat. And then as things began to un you know, evolve. I learned more about the spiritual underpinning. And then I ended up with a master's degree in Hinduism. Who knows? I just ended up with a master's degree. Who knows? You know, Reiki says when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Absolutely. And so I love it so much when the student is ready, the yoga mat will appear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, yoga is actually one of our oldest forms of neuroscience. And I really didn't put that together until just a few years ago, studying yoga sutras deeply. The yogis were observing the fluctuations of the thoughts in their mind. And they figured out that those ups and downs were what we needed to balance out. And that's all about balancing out your nervous system. Amazing. We have so much science at our fingertips now. And I mean, look at what has been discovered and how many people have been transformed without electronic technology and magnets and yeah. right. Right. Just by observation. Well, when I taught science to little kids, which I did for 10 years, which is where I get my sense of fun. They taught me to be fun. And you are fun, sister. <laughs> um, I used to start every pre-K and kindergarten group off with this lesson. You are born to be a scientist. And here is how we know. You have five senses. You have sight the sense of taste, the sense of touch, the sense of hearing. And what am I forgetting? Smell. Smell. Thank you. <laughs> been a long time it's like since trying I to that. name the seven dwarfs, right? You always forget one. <laughs> always one. And those are the tools of a scientist. And that's how I know you're meant to be a scientist. You are built to observe. So yes, powerful. To your point, what they had thousands of years ago was the ability to observe themselves carefully. Yeah. 
And we're so go, 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 go in our society and in our culture now that we don't observe, we react, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's being in the now moment, being able to reflect inwardly and block out, tune out to the noise. If you want to discover anything about yourself, you've got to learn to tune out the noise. Yeah. I think I've heard you say this before and I know I've said it. It's an inside job. Happiness is an inside job. Absolutely. And I start every podcast with welcome to the happiness workshop where we know that happiness is a workshop because true happiness that resides inside of us. It's not in the external. It's not in the fancy car or the you know, the bigger house or the prettier, nicer designer clothes. It's just not, it's within us. And we have to be able to learn to go within. And I say learn because we have, it's almost like in decades of generations, Mm -hmm. we've developed a jump. Mm Mm-hmm. As children, we knew how to go within, we did it innately, and then somehow we've lost that and jumped over to go, 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 mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And this is a particular problem for people who have gotten caught in the cycle of chronic pain because they have disconnected at a time in a situation when their body needs them the most. Chronic pain sufferers tend to be the go, go, go kind. Perfectionists, people pleasers, um, they also tend to not check in with their body. Their nervous system is trying to tell them, but they talk too fast. They are always rushing, even when they don't have to. I'll just raise my hand there. (laughs) Right, right. But all of that is a product of not being present with your own body and your own nervous system. Well, you're reading my mind because I was going to say, let's tie that back to chronic pain, the idea of go, go, go. So thank you for reading my mind. You're very intuitively in tune with me, I feel like all the time. Thank you. Um, So being able to connect that back to mind, body, spirit, to actually create transformation in your chronic pain, to heal your chronic pain. Tell us a little bit about what that looks like. If I were a client coming to you and I'm saying, I'm suffering with chronic low back pain, Mm -hmm. no matter what I do, I feel like it's not, I've been to the chiropractor, I've taken the muscle relaxers, I've been to the massage therapist, it's not getting better. You're my last hope. Mm -hmm. What would you do with me? For anyone who can't see Sharda right now, (laughs) the first thing she did, which is very telling in itself, is take a deep breath and let it out. Mm -hmm. Yes. So the first step 
is to realize that for so many people, you're not crazy. And by the way, chronic back pain is the number one chronic pain of all. And our current modern understanding of how to resolve chronic pain came out of work on back pain. Interesting. So, yes, it, back pain is a big tell. But the first thing we're going to do is get just comfortable in our body. You know, I begin by taking a very deep inventory with folks because everyone's chronic pain system is different in some ways in how they do it. Um, and every situation is unique and in truth, very rarely, because I work, serve women who are over 40, um, very rarely have you gotten to that point and you have one chronic pain issue. It has usually collected friends. And so in our interview, we talk about all the things you want to talk about. We talk about all the things that are causing you discomfort because all of those are pieces of the pie. And then we're going to begin. The first part of the program is always building that toolbox of tools that you can use to calm your nervous system to bring yourself into the present moment and so that you can feel good. Because when our body hurts, we don't feel good, we're gonna have more pain. When you're happy, wasn't um, Cousins, uh, who the doctor, the cardiologist who, or he was a physician who laughed himself out of cancer. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Why is his name gonna escape me? It'll come to us. Yes. Anyway. Um, the happier you feel, the better you feel, the less pain you have. So it's tools. It's things that you can do in real time. It's things that you can do and no one can tell you're doing them to help bring you back into your body and to help calm your nervous system. Cause that's job number one. And your breath is also usually lesson number one. I know everyone thinks that they do it all day long. And they don't need to think about that. But the way you breathe determines how you feel and can also tell you how you're feeling. We know that when a little kid gets upset and they start ramping up, the first thing we're doing is like, slow down, baby, calm down, take a big breath, hold on to that. Now let it go. Because we know that that breath is going to help them feel worse and worse. Right. And that calming that breath is going to do the exact opposite. Now you and I were recently at a retreat together mm -hmm. and we just so happened to be on the same flight out to go home. Right. Mm -hmm. And I remember standing in the jetway and you were talking to a perfect stranger about how to breathe properly. And he said, no, I've never heard this before. This is not what my chiropractor said. Yeah. And so let's talk a little bit about that before we move on. What is the proper way to breathe? How do you know this? The breath of life, as I like to call it, is a smooth, even breath in and out through your nose. Smooth and even, which is going to be a deeper, fuller breath into the belly and the nose is a very important organ. It's only job other than smelling delicious things is breathing. 
when you breathe through your nose, the air is warmed because we know the inside of your body is not as cold as the outside of the body. The air is filtered. We know that we live in a lot of mm, unsavory things in the air. The air is properly pressurized to go into your lungs and it's sterilized. So it is very important to breathe through the nose. Now, lots of people got that inhale down. It is equally important to exhale through the nose. Breathing through your mouth, even just exhaling through your mouth, reverses every good thing that a proper breath does. And a proper breath lowers your blood pressure, lowers your heart rate, improves your immunity. I can't give you the entire list. We'd be here three days. And breathing through your mouth reverses every bit of that in equal measure and does some other unsavory things. So in and out through your nose. So interesting. I'd never heard that from someone else before. Yeah. And I was just totally eavesdropping on that conversation. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm going to listen to her because she seems to know generally what she's talking about. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I try. Yes, 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 yes. And so, all right, back to tools that transform. The breath is absolutely for the mind, the body, the spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, what other connectors are so important and relevant to have in your toolbox? You know, a lot of things that make you feel good. Like, do you know what comedians make you laugh? Do you know where they are on YouTube or their podcast? Do you know what kind of jokes make you smile? Dad jokes, slightly naughty jokes. I'm not going to lie. I think potty humor is hilarious. <laughs> then you should have a document on your computer that says potty humor. I collect silly kid jokes is what I like. <laughs> yes, exactly. I think because I'm a mom, right? Yeah. And we spend so much time when our children are little mm-hmm. saying, no, that's potty talk. No, that's, yeah. but the moment someone passes gas, I'm sorry. It is hilarious. <laughs> it's hilarious. My husband, I'm totally going to out him in this moment and he's not going to love this, but he hates the word, the F word for passing gas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to say it, but he hates it. And so sometimes the other four of us you know, my kids and I, we have to harass him a little bit about that because we think it's so funny. Right. And we think his reaction is hilarious. Yeah. He's giving you a good dose of endorphins, which are your natural painkillers. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, you just made up a great point is surround yourself with the people who make you laugh. Mm -hmm. who raise your vibration, who give you energy. Now that's a very advanced pain free living topic that you brought up very advanced where you begin to, because we're the, the first part of the process is just teaching you every trick in the book that you can use. And you know, everybody's lifestyle is different. So different tricks work for different people. I call them tricks because they're fun. Um, But you know, a simple trick is to lovingly touch your own body. To simply lay your hands over your own heart 
in a kind and compassionate way. Yeah. The body really loves to be touched in a soothing way and it responds. And you know what's so interesting about that is look at notice what your body is doing when you're giving compassion or empathy or kindness to someone else. Because as you were speaking, mm -hmm. if you were telling me something that was, you know, sad and I'm feeling compassion for that, my hands immediately go on my heart. Brilliant. And so there's a huge clue as to if you need to practice self-compassion, where should your hands go? Mm -hmm. Where can your hands go? Right. Mm -hmm. And your heart's beautiful. Oh, I have so much. Oh, there's so much about the heart that's beautiful. But one of the things to remember about the heart is it is the rhythm of your life. It's right there in your own heart. All you have to do is be present with it and be quiet. And that's a great way to check in with your nervous system. If you put your hands on your heart and you feel like it's about to beat out of your chest, you know you need to employ some other tools. And I will tell you that your breath is the fastest, most powerful way to alter your emotional state because it's so primary for living. Yeah. If you're upset, change your breathing, you'll calm down. That's why breath is one of the first things I teach everyone. Yeah. Even strangers in the airport, evidently. <laughs> Even strangers in the airport. That was amazing. I have no idea what your conversation was, but all I, I don't even know. I just caught you speaking and you were saying, no, that's wrong. Let me tell you why. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, she's amazing. Well, I was tired. Hopefully I would be a little more patient. Uh, I was tired. And no, you tired. said it just matter of factly. Yeah, and it was it. so supportive. The conversation was so supportive. You were in teaching mode. Yeah. You were not at all dismissive. I mean, I probably out of context, it could no, sound that fine. way. No, it was amazing. Yeah. No, I'm so passionate about it that I don't even know that I do it clearly. I'm like, oh, you've got to breathe properly. Yeah. Funny aside, in a class one time, someone typed in the chat, seriously, she's going to teach us to breathe. And when I saw that, I thought to myself, seriously, she's going to teach you to breathe. <laughs> <laughs> you think, you know, you don't know. And after our little breathing exercise, the great thing was the same person typed in the chat. Wow. I really do feel better. <laughs> <laughs> seriously breath. i taught you to breathe right. mm -hmm. <laughs> that's beautiful so beautiful so gosh i feel like we've touched on so many so many points mm -hmm. i want to go to um heart coherence and mm -hmm. chronic pain mm -hmm. that beautiful let's, heart yeah let's move into that because i feel like you know most of what you do is chronic pain right mm -hmm. Yes. And so also a lot of what you do is heart coherence. Mm -hmm. And so how does that go together? One of the deepest, most loving practices that we can do to care for ourselves. And, you know, there, here's another trait about chronic pain, folks. We're not that great about caring for ourselves. We tend to be perfectionist, people pleasers, and um, you know, every, it's all outside. Everything is more important than we are. And 
caring for yourself is a very intimate thing. Heart coherence is the um, science of understanding how the electromagnetic rhythm of the heart, when you go have an EKG, they're me measuring the electromagnetic rhythm of your heart, is matching up with the electromagnetics of your brain, which is all chemical and electrical image, um, connecting going on in there as well. And when we are upset, when we are not calm, cool, collected, and happy, our brain's electromagnetic rhythms are out of sync with our heart's electromagnetic rhythms. Heart coherence practices are a way to bring your heart and your brain back into balance. And if we had visuals, I could show you EKG measurements of when someone is in coherence and when they're not. And when they're in not incoherent, when they are not in coherence, it looks like a mess. And when they are incoherent, it's like parallel waves riding along and there's been a lot of research done on the impact of these, of these kinds of practices. And in Ayurveda, the, treat, the diagnosis practice of choice is to feel your pulse, which comes from your heart. And lovingly placing your hands on your heart, focusing on your breath, Focusing on creating a feeling, and there's many ways to do this. Usually a heart coherence practice has a guided visualization. We're bringing you into a mind image of something that makes you feel loving, that makes you feel kind, that compassionate, happy. You turn on those feelings while focusing on the rhythm of your heart and your breath. And you can bring your scattered mind and your anxious heart into a lovely dance with one another, which the research is very clear about, improves everything about your health. It improves your immunity. It improves the way you feel. It improves everything. And it's right there in your heart. It's all in your heart. I love that. I don't know about everyone who's listening, but listening to you talk about that practice, I found myself noticing my breath. I found my shoulders dropping. Just listening to you describe it was amazing. And you've got this flow in your voice and this energy about you that while I feel that you are an excitable person, mm -hmm. you have an excited energy to you. You also have a very calm and soothing energy to you as well. Yeah. Well, you know, we all do. And we're meant to move from excitement to calm from one good emotion or another. But often because of our crazy lives, we get stuck in one place or the other. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I do um, guided meditations on my YouTube channel at Tools That Transform that are free. And a lot of them are heart coherence meditations. A lot of them are sleep meditations because insomnia is an epidemic of its own and chronic pain sufferers are more likely to struggle with insomnia. Can you please get out of my head? <laughs> I literally was about to say, let's talk about sleep <laughs> and heart coherence. So 
seriously, this is the second time where mm -hmm. you are clearly our energies have overlapped now. And yes, we have connected. One. We've heart connected. To heart. <laughs> yes, we are so connected heart to heart. Yes. Let's get into that. Let's talk about insomnia. I have insomnia. Mm. Um, yeah. Let's talk about that. Let's talk mm -hmm. about how uh, heart coherence can mm -hmm. help that can mm -hmm. improve your sleep. Mm -hmm. So insomnia is um, really tough on us because when we are in deep sleep is when our body does its natural repairing. And if we don't get into deep sleep, we don't get that repair, we're much more likely to have a chronic pain issue. When we do get that sleep, that deep, reflect, refreshing sleep that our body needs, we know it. We wake up feeling better. We're in a better mood. We have less pain that day. And a, a couple of the meditations on the channel are heart, co heart coherence meditations for sleep. One of the first things I tell people about sleep that have insomnia, because I had a dear friend who had insomnia when I was very young, and I saw what it cost her in her life. She missed a lot of work. There were a lot of times when she, I, I believe it drove her chronic headaches was her insomnia. So it's a, it's a big deal. And when we learn that we can be deeply relaxed and be in rest and restore, then it takes a little pressure off. If you have insomnia, let's not be anxious about it. The truth of the matter is the newest research on sleep has illuminated very clearly, we're not designed to sleep in a solid eight hour stretch. That is something we cooked up when we developed artificial light. Before that, people would sleep when the sun went down. Somebody had to wake up in the middle of the night to redo that fire or we'd freeze to death. Yeah. And there were special things that you did. They called it first sleep and second sleep. There were special prayers that you would say between first and second sleep. You had activities that were appropriate for first and second sleep. One of them being making love. <laughs> so just relax. Was that first sleep or second sleep? Uh, I, I don't think there were any limits. Okay. <laughs> so it could be first and second sleep before first sleep, been between sleeps and after sleeps. If you wanted, <laughs> I That's see what amazing. kind of, uh, no wonder you're so happy. <laughs> so first relax. If you struggle with sleep, you're not alone and you're not broken. You're normal. I feel like there are more people today with insomnia than there's ever been. Yeah. There's more anxiety yes. on this earth mm -hmm. than and there's ever been. Yes. Anxiety is its own pandemic right now. Yes. And heart coherence meditations, guided meditations are a great way to help calm that anxiety so that you can fall asleep. It also relaxes the body more deeply. You don't just fall in sleep, but fall in bed and pass out because you are exhausted, but you literally take the time to set your nervous system into a calm, healthy place 
and then you enter into sleep from there. Mm, you know, that's if you, beautiful. Yeah. And when or if you wake up in the middle of the night, you can do the same thing. Because if you simply stay relaxed, stay peaceful in your body, you are going to get more rest and restoration than if you worry or you get up and you start doing the dishes. Uh, one of the things you want to avoid in the between first and second sleep is anything electronic. The blue light is a thing. It does weird things to our brain that interrupt our sleep cycle. You ideally want to be off electronics an hour before you go to sleep. I said, ideally, I'll raise I my know. hand as a work in progress there. Yes. But if you're going to read in, in the between the sleeps, read something that's on paper. Yeah. Why not to have it be backlit? And that's a great point because with the evolution of the Kindle mm -hmm. and then now you can, even without Kindle, there's all the other your phone. Book apps, even your library has mm -hmm. books on, mm -hmm. on your devices, right? Mm -hmm we more and more yes. yes are exposed to the blue light mm -hmm. when we're trying to go to sleep because yeah. people have moved from a physical paperback book mm -hmm. to an electronic book yeah and it, it's just very different on the eye and your eyes are amazing and the only place that you have brain cells outside of your skull are on the back of your eye and those cells set your circadian rhythm. Interesting. If you struggle with insomnia, one of the helpful tips that you can do is to get outside. And it does have to be outside because your windows filter out a huge amount of light, even though they're clear. I've taken a light meter and tested it. You want to go outside before noon because it matters the angle the light hits your eye. And once it gets over the midpoint, then it's not hitting your eye at the right angle. You want to put your face in the sun, the direction of the sun. Please never look at the sun with your eyes. I hope that we all got that loud and clear as young children. You know, all it takes is about three minutes of being out in the sun to get enough stimulation to turn your biological clock on. And then your body will know that in six to eight hours, it needs to send off another set of hormones to help you begin to wind down for the day. So getting better sleep really starts the minute you wake up. I love that it's only three minutes because in my mind, as you're talking about this, I'm thinking, Okay, so am I supposed to go sit out there with my coffee and even know, better, right? I know, but you know, am I supposed to be out there for 30 minutes? I'm at 20 minutes, three minutes is doable. I can do three minutes even in the winter time. Yeah, yeah. And if you wear glasses, go ahead and put your glasses on because they are actually focusing the light to hit the right spot. Mm. So no windows except for your glasses. Yeah. Wow. Sherda, seriously, you are an astounding body of knowledge. You really are. And I know that not only do you put your head 
into your practice, but you also put your heart into your practice. And so you take heart coherence to every level. Mm-hmm. And it's really, truly amazing to watch you in action and to sit and listen to you. And I feel very honored that you would come on and talk about this for all of my listeners, because there's just so many valuable nuggets from everything you've already said. Yeah. Well, and and the reason that I do what I do is because I truly, truly care about people in pain. I've been that person for many decades. I was that person. And one of the leading physicians that is involved in this philosophy of chronic pain is um, uh, an anesthesiologist. And he says it very clearly. We do not have medications that will resolve chronic pain. It's different than acute pain. And, you know, we've had some experiences in this country that I think bore that out very clearly. And it really is learning to live happy and healthy in our own bodies. And if I've done that, anyone can. I'm not special. And boy, is it worth it. (laughs) Because you get to have friends like Pascal. Right? Well, I'll go back and say, I disagree. You're very special. And I will add that everyone is special in their own unique and amazing way. And learning to combat your chronic pain with proper tools and to create this heart coherence practice in your life, Mm -hmm. right? Is only going to enhance whatever it is that's special and amazing about you. Yeah. And, you know, it's the doorway to get to live the life that you want to live, whatever that is. I believe to your point, we all have something that is unique that we have to offer in life and that every one of us is important. But when you can't get out of the bed, when you hurt all over, when you don't feel like you can trust your own feelings, it's hard to do that. Yeah. Yeah. You do that. I feel like it's so important. And I say it over and over and over again, how urgently I want people to learn to get out of their head Mm -hmm. and into their body. And I feel that you feel exactly that same way because where pain is showing up in your body Mm -hmm. or discomfort is showing up in your body can tell you so much about how to heal it. Yes. It's really what your brain is trying to do with all of that. It just is not um, able to, you know, be clear and direct about it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And we are pre-programmed with so many limiting beliefs from, you know, the DNA that holds our parents' trauma, our Mm -hmm. grandparents' trauma. I read something recently that says that our, the trauma in our DNA, I think it said They've tracked it back eight generations. There is a saying in the Hebrew Bible, the sins of the father are passed down to the seventh generation. And I think that's exactly what it's trying to say. Wow. I have chills. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it makes sense. Even if you're not looking at it from a spiritual sense, I seriously have chills all over my body still. Mm -hmm. Even if you're not looking at it from a spiritual sense, let's look at it from common sense, right? And say, if your parent 
was a product of the Great Depression and was malnourished and had to scrimp and scrape and scrap for every morsel of food, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. What behaviors will your parent develop that are now being passed down to you? And then what are those learned behaviors going to look like that now you pass on to your children? And that's just common sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and we see it in all kinds of ways in families, funny ways, like the woman who always cuts the end off of the ham before she puts it in the pan. And someone asks her why you do that. And she goes, I don't know. My mother did. You just cut the end off the ham. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. My mother always used to make up um, little songs or she would, you know, just break out in song and um, I do it and it drives my kids crazy. Now that they're older, they're starting to do it too. And I Uh said, "Mm, there you go. You're becoming me. We all become our mother. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't until my mother passed away that I really fully started to embrace when someone would say that, you know, you're becoming your mother. I'm like, thanks. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And then you realize that's not a bad thing. Exactly. <laughs> and exactly. Even those things, I think what's endearing about that, what's really good for our heart about that is those things that once annoyed us then become the way we remain connected. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as you're speaking about that, I'm again, thinking about my own children and, you know, I've said this on the podcast before I'm certain, but each of my kids, when they were, I would say right after they just learned to talk probably mm-hmm. in full sentences, we'd be driving down the road in the car. I'd be singing. They're like, no, no, mommy, don't sing. <laughs> Cause I do not have a beautiful singing voice. I will say that. And so fast forward, my daughter was babysitting her godson one day and she texted me and she said, well, it's come full circle. I said, what are you talking about? And she goes, oh, well, I was singing. And JJ said, no, Izzy, you don't sing. And I, <laughs> no. <laughs> but this is how I learned depression and anxiety from my parents. Yes. They tried their best, but it's the way that we do life, whatever we feel. It, you know, we can see happy people coming for five miles. Yeah. They're so different. And we can see, you know, we've all talked about the Eeyore in the room. Right. Yeah. And so that is some of how it's done. And, and to live pain-free, we really do need to be in your in Sanskrit, they have a word for heart and mind. It's called chittam. And the understanding was that the heart and mind are energetically one thing. Well, if you see um, an embryo develop, I have a, an animation of an embryo development. And out of the same group of seed cells, the heart and the brain are developed. So we have, you know, the um, stem cells. So they're seed cells before they're stem cells. Mm. Same group. The nerves drop down and grow a heart and they extend up and grow a brain. We need our heart and our brain. We need them both to be well and happy in our body. They've always been connected. And when we get them working together, they can help us feel happy and healthy. Yes. It's amazing. 
so much wisdom, so many truth bombs, so many golden nuggets for everyone. So as we're closing here, is there anything you want to offer for listeners? Yes. It's very simple to connect with me. I'm all over Facebook and Instagram, but if you are struggling with anxiety, with insomnia, you can go to toolsthattransform.com and get my free six soothing steps to better sleep tonight. There are some quite um, revolutionary and fun steps there. And if you are looking for guided meditations to help you live happy and healthy in your body, you please go to my YouTube channel and enjoy those meditations. There's lots of different kinds and I'm always adding. And make sure you just subscribe while you're there and leave me a comment if you have a special meditation you'd like. Sometimes people leave comments and sometimes meditations emerge from them. I love it so much. Sharda Davy, you know you're in my heart. I so appreciate you being here, sharing all your wisdom, sharing your heart with all of us. And I will put a link to your website and show notes so everyone can find you. Thank you. And you know that I love you to the moon and back because, you know, happiness is actually where I started out because it is really foundational for everything. And I hope that your listeners know that by now, but never take your happiness lightly, cultivate it like the beautiful garden that it is. And it will sustain you through everything in life. Absolutely. What a beautiful closing thought. Thank you so much for being here, Sharda. And I look forward to catching up with you again soon. I told you I thought you would really enjoy my conversation with Sharda. She really is all heart by going to www.toolsthetransform.com and I will put a link to her website in show notes. You can visit www.womenfindingclarity.com for all things happy, including happiness coaching and the Happiness Workshop podcast. Keep moving forward on your path toward happiness And always remember to go within. Good night. Thank you for being part of the Women Finding Clarity community and for making the Happiness Workshop podcast part of your week. If you're enjoying the show, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and review on your favorite listening platform and share the Happiness Workshop podcast with a friend. These are simple ways to help us get our show in the ears and on the minds of more listeners. We know that happiness is a workshop, so find more tools to guide you forward on your path to happiness at www.womenfindingclarity.com. A reminder to keep moving forward on your path to happiness and always remember to go within.